Ladies and gentlemen, a minute's silence, if you please, for the Empire Podcast Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra who were eaten outside a castle in Germany by wolves recently. Very sad. They had a good run. Please join me in this minute's silence. general public opinion cannot stop the Empire Podcast Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra from returning. Oh yes indeed we are back. After a break of precisely one week post WandaVision aka time off for good behaviour, Kevin Feige and his cohorts in the shadowy organisation known only as Marvel have produced yet another MCU TV show and we have stepped up to the plate to cover it because that's what heroes do. Hello Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the first spoiler special dedicated to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Very exciting times here. And joining me as ever to discuss it are three colleagues of such lethal cunning. But look out! Any one of them could be Reed Richards or Mephisto or Nightmare in disguise. You just don't know. We have, of course, a woman who never met a flag she couldn't smash. Helen O'Hara. Hello. Hello, Helen. <laughs> I mean, actually, strange, that does... seems strangely underwhelmed by that. Yeah, that's okay. I, I do disapprove of nationalism in, in theory. Not capital N nationalism in the Northern Ireland sense, but every other kind of nationalism. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick and choose your battles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we are joined by a man who never met the battleship he couldn't sink, James Dyer. Hello, Chris. Hello, James. How are you? How are you? <laughs> I am good, James. Thanks. Damn it. Can't speak now for the rest of the podcast. That's right. This, this could be annoying. <laughs> ben, you're going to have to take over as host. This is Hello. This is on this university. This, sorry. Wrong God. God. Sorry. Uh, no, oh, on Lord. this Empire's You're almost as bad as him with his pilot TV shenanigans. <laughs> on the pilot TV podcast. Oh, God. Don't make me We're cut you talking about out of TV this. show. Oh, Lord. Oh, dear Lord. Yes. Anyway, last but not least, we have a man who never met a small business loan he couldn't approve. It's Ben Travis. I know nothing about loan approvals. I'm a minute. I'm a millennial. We we don't tend to get yeah. money from banks. Yeah. You don't this get was an entirely alien concept to me, more so than the Chitauri. <laughs> what is bank? What is yeah. loan? Uh, anyway, we have assembled to discuss the first episode of this six-episode limited series, which brings together Captain America's BFFs, Sam, Falcon, Wilson, and James Buchanan, Bucky, Winter Soldier Barnes, a guy has far too many nicknames, or rather in this first episode entitled New World Order, it very conspicuously doesn't bring them together at all. To the recap! 
After a prologue in which we see that Sam has reinvented himself as Iron Man, it's a good joke because he's ironing, I nicked it from Nick's review, basically, but <laughs> I liked it. We cut to a big old action sequence in which the Falcon, helping out the US military, follows in Steve's footsteps and ruins Batroc the Leaper's day by foiling a kidnapping. Who is Batroc kidnapping and why? Almost certainly Jimmy Woo's missing person. Or we'll find out in due course, or it really doesn't matter. Well, we kind of know who it is, but we don't know why. Well, who knows? Who even cares? Hanging later in Tunisia with his new army contact, Torres, whose armband proved he was a red, Sam is alerted to the activities of a group called the Flag Smashers, who apparently preferred the pre-blip times when it seems all the nations of the Earth work together for a common purpose. And distressingly, they seem to agree with James, in that Thanos had a God, point. No. Oh dear God, help us all. That's James right. is the ultimate flag smasher. <laughs> I've often said that's about him. Going back to Washington, Sam drops a bombshell. He has rejected the shield and the title of Captain America that Steve Rogers gave him at the end of Endgame, deciding instead to donate it to the Smithsonian. Wow. There's lots of talk here about Steve Rogers being gone, but he doesn't seem to be dead. Or is he? Anyway, after a chat with James Rhodey Rhodes, what is it these guys and their nicknames? About duty and honour and fellowship. We then cut to a scene where the Winter Soldier absolutely kills the living shit out of a whole <laughs> bunch of people, including an innocent guy making perhaps the most inept attempt to open a door in the history of mankind. Has Bucky regressed? Has he been triggered and returned to the bad old ways? Not quite. It's a dream. Now seeing a shrink, Bucky reveals he's been trying to make amends by tracking down the people he wronged as the Winter Soldier, or the people whom he aided, and either apologising, you know, the way he didn't with Tony Stark, who went to his grave without Good hearing Lord, Bucky Chris. say sorry, the absolute mother bucker, or bringing them to justice. We then see that Bucky lives in Brooklyn, naturally, and has befriended an old man who's probably still younger than Buck. The old man, Yori, asks out on Bucky's behalf, Leia, the girl who works at the sushi bar, lay frequent. Later that night, they go out on a date. Yori's not there, that would have been weird. But when Bucky is overwhelmed by guilt, it becomes clear that the innocent man he killed years ago is Yori's son. Ah! Meanwhile, Sam has returned to Louisiana, where reinvented as Uncle Sam, because he's got nephews. He meets up with his sister Sarah, whose fishing business is suffering, pledging to get them a loan so she doesn't have to sell the boat they effectively grew up on. Sam and Sarah go to a bank, where they are roundly patronised by the clerk, <laughs> and then regretfully rejected. The episode ends with Sam finding out via the news that the shield he donated to the Smithsonian has already been reappropriated and given to a new Captain America who winks at the camera like a smirking, gaping, probably fascist asshole. Steve would not be happy. And that's that, folks. That's it. Right. First episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Lots of stuff happened. Lots of stuff didn't happen. What did we make of it at all? Uh, I uh, liked it. It is very much set up. It's, it's kind of like the first, you know, almost all of Sleepless in Seattle. It's two people who are just meant for each other, but... Damn it, they're on opposite sides of the country slash world, you know? It's it's really um <laughs> but it is what it is doing quite well, is setting up that they might need each other. 
which I, I appreciate. I have big, 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 huge questions about Avengers finances coming out of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, some questions that, as far as I can tell, the Marvel back catalogue has not been able to answer about what the hell LAF is. So that's mm-hmm. exciting. But, you know, I- intriguing to see Batrock back. Amazing, amazing uh, sort of air flying scenes at the beginning, mm-hmm. recalling Point Break at times, recalling, you know, but well, that Lara the, Croft film. But in a much better way than, you mean the remake? I mean, yeah, the bad yeah. Point Break. The good Point got Break. Squirrel suits. The remake had squirrel suits as well. I know it had squirrel suits, but I was just thinking like there was skydiving. So it recalls point break to me. And um and of course, you know, fighting with a fire jet in a canyon is is a little bit I don't know. Mm. It reminds me of Independence Day, even though technically not aliens and not in a MIG, but you know, that we know of. That we know know of. of. Mm. I'm assuming everyone's a squirrel until told otherwise at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh that opening sequence, I have to say the there's not a lot of action in the rest of the episode, but that opening sequence... I mean, I just, bl- you can see where the budget went, though. You can Four see helicopters, man. Four. <laughs> but you can just imagine like every other TV runner in the business just looking at that going, oh, for fuck's sake. Jesus I mean, Christ, come come fellas. <laughs> I mean, oh, Lord. Okay, I've got to do my procedural my, my procedural show this week with, like, I've got, I've got four hours to get this action scene and, oh, Lord, and they've just spent, they've just spunked, like, what, $80 million on making this look really really cool and cinematic and yeah yeah damn them damn their eyes what about the rest of you guys what did you make of it yeah i really liked it i have to say i thought that opening 10 minutes was fucking incredible and it was 10 full minutes as well this wasn't like i think we're used to seeing action sequences even within these kind of shows even within bigger shows like obviously game of thrones are very cinematic but having something that there was that sort of intense sustained all out like completely of a piece with what they do on the big screen it reminded me quite a bit of the barrel of monkeys iron man 3 stuff um and that was like the big set piece from that movie and that is pretty much the equivalent of what we got here but i also really liked the rest of the episode i have to say i thought it did a really nice job of zoning in on these characters especially sam where it's like yeah he is just a normal dude he's just a guy whose life is probably in complete disarray because he's either with the avengers saving the world or he then is having to try and be a normal person and wrestle with things like oh shit we've got no money oh no i haven't been around for my family and there was more action in the rest of the episode than i expected based on obviously um you guys had seen the episode early i only watched it this morning um mm. but when we had that little winter soldier sequence with the the flashback mm. i was like oh this is kind of punchy and shooty and upsetting and i thought there was a quite a nice balance and it it did that classic marvel thing um and the thing they've done really well across especially the second series of the mandalorian and in one division where it ends on an oh shit moment that we're all going to be kind of waiting for next week to to see how that's going to play out i find myself coming out of this episode feeling much the same way i felt when i came out of the first episode of one division in the the first episode of one division as you recall it's not something that i particularly enjoyed because it just but i knew that i would get there like i knew it would be a great show this one i'm actually less sure of i do think this will be a good show i don't know if it will meet reach sort of one division dizzy heights for me but this particular episode left me a little bit meh partly because i think like the action sequence is obviously spectacular but i kind of think without any emotional stakes whatsoever i found it quite difficult to care like it was just him flying around helicopters and i was like yeah this feels to me like a lot of the 
the action sequences you get in much like hate to cast aspersions on some of the DC films, but you know what I mean? It's where it's lots and lots of spectacle, but there's no heart to it. So I wasn't really interested in what happened. So this didn't do it for me. And then when we got into the episode proper, the joy will be, I'm sure, in seeing these two characters come together, which of course they don't in this episode. And watching Bucky go on a, an incredibly awkward date and watching, you know, Falcon go in and try and get a small business loan, I just, I felt a bit like this is what I'm spending my 45 minutes watching because it really isn't here. But, but I think it's important to bear in mind that this is the prologue essentially of a six part story. So I think it is impossible to judge what this show is and how good it is from this episode this episode was fine i didn't love it i didn't dislike it um i'm i'm sure the show will get mm -hmm. a lot better but i must admit i was i felt a little bit like if you've only got and it's not six hours because bear in mind these are not hour-long episodes really are they so if you've got a you know whatever is five hour story four hour and change story i kind of think maybe i would use the time more economically than they did here. Like, I get what they're doing, and I know that there is joy in seeing these heroes, these super-powered beings, doing mundane stuff. WandaVision showed that that could be an art form, but I I felt that it it didn't have the same sort of stylistic feel. Like, it, it had a clumsiness to it. I wasn't particularly interested. Like, we've already seen, you know, Bucky wrestling with his guilt at having killed Stark's parents. Like, that he killed some random person who's related to his neighbor that feels like a diet version of that like we don't need to see those stakes again so i don't know it didn't quite ring right for me but i'm sure i will like it later oh my god i feel like you've disrespected yori there and uh, i am upset because <laughs> i adored yeah. him immediately far more than bloody stark or his parents <laughs> yeah. the empire podcast civil war is about to begin that's yeah, it yeah i think so the I lines so. are drawn here team yori um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I kind of get where you're coming from. I think there were some clumsy moments. The bit at the beginning, the briefing on the plane just felt a little bit clumsily framed. I do have an issue, and it's not just confined to this show, with major exposition being delivered to characters via the medium of TV news. You know, I, I've never liked that sort of trope where someone comes into a room and goes, you have to see this, and they turn on the news, and it's already... It would be past the point at which they would have needed to see it by that point. Uh, I've always wanted to see a show where someone goes, you need to see this, and then they can't find it. And they, they have to spend like five minutes surfing through all the channels. No, it was here a second ago. You, It was about the new Captain America. You're, you're going to love it. In fairness, in fairness, in this case, she could have seen it on the announcer saying it was happening, and then they cut to the speech, and that's where she turns she it on done. in the room. She absolutely so could it have done kind of, It works better than many in this case. That's all I'm saying about that particular point, which I agree with. Yeah. But I do have a problem with, with that trope, and I just think it's slightly clumsy, and there's probably a, a more elegant way they could have done it. Having said that, it's also, I think, it does tie in thematically with the show, which is about Sam being shut out of the loop. He is out of the loop. He wouldn't be, you know, he's he's been conned, he's been double-crossed, he's been tricked by that that bloke with a beard whose name's in the credits, but I'm pretty sure he's not named at any point in the episode, um, which perhaps indicates that there was a, a you know a deleted scene or two with him. But that guy, whether he's Secretary of Defense or Secretary of State, whatever he is at the end, he's he's pulled the rug out from under Sam's feet. Yeah, like, yeah, of course you don't want to be Captain America. Donate the shield to the Smithsonian, and then immediately takes it and gives it to uh, to John <laughs> Walker uh, or U.S. Agent or the new Captain America, or whatever he's going to end up officially being called uh, once we, we we go down the the line. And so it fits in thematically, but it still it just felt a little bit like oh we don't really know how to end this episode. So why don't we have our main character being told some earth shattering news on the TV? Um, but by and large. 
I thought it was good. I I enjoyed all the stuff, all the all the the the, the dips into the mundanity of their lives. I you know mm. we've talked about this in the podcast before. I could you know Helen and I could easily watch four or five hours of these guys just hanging out and just shooting the shit and going about their daily lives and then every now and again they have to fight an alien uh, and <laughs> I'm okay with that I thought the mm-hmm. scene with, with Sam and Sarah being turned down for loan was interesting in terms of like once again how the system is not you know not designed to help out certainly people of colour and even even heroes in a, in a time like this even people who have contributed to you know the world being there you know they they still get road roughshod over and and bucky's you say we've seen this stuff with stark before i don't think we have because mm. we've never really plugged into bucky's pov in the movies in the way that we ha- are going to clearly in this show you know even the big revelation at the end of civil war about bucky having killed tony's parents is not played out in in that way it's played out in a way that the revelation drops Bucky's not even really that aware of it, I think. Tony tries to kill him. It all kicks off. There's a big old fight. Next thing, he's in Wakanda. The closest we've had Bucky dealing with his own guilt, personally, has been two moments in Civil War, which was one where he asks if he hurt anybody, and and one sort of in Wakanda when he's clearly, he asks to go back under because he realizes he's a danger. That's the only real sense of him dealing with his guilt previously. So I think exploring that with with Yori gives him is a bit gives him more fertile ground to explore and and frankly I, I think it gives Sebastian Stan more colors to play. I thought the scene mm. where he goes to Yori's door and his voice cracks yeah. was just a really lovely piece of acting. So hopefully we'll get more from him along those lines as the show goes on. Mm. I, I think they've earned this quite nicely. I can't remember which film it's in, but there is one of them maybe. Maybe a civil war where he says, like, I remember them all. And it would take so long to come to terms with all this huge, vast history of horrible shit that he's been forced to do and all the people he's been forced to kill um, over the years. And obviously, in the case of this guy, wasn't even forced to kill him. He just just mowed down an innocent guy, which well, is... Well, he, he was ordered to ensure there are no witnesses, usually. Yeah. like that, that came up a couple of times, I think, in Winter Soldier. So we can, we can, we can assume there are standing orders there. And direct debits. Well, not at this bank, Chris. They can't, can't, can't no, get the loan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you know what a bank is, Ben. You're not a millennial <laughs> enough to have bypassed banks entirely. A bank is an app that I have on it's my phone. It's an app on your phone, yeah. <laughs> not a building that I go into. I like the personal touch. I like being turned down for loans face-to-face. It makes me feel so much better about myself. Just like listeners should know, like Chris actually physically goes to banks. It's, it's the weirdest thing. I've never understood it. No, I've I'm, I'm I've signed up to internet banking now. I'm, okay. I'm Have okay. you? Yeah. Finally. Yeah. In 2021. Yeah. You are on the cutting edge. I don't like it though. It tells me how much money I don't have. But that allows you to plan, you know? Yeah. I don't, okay, I mean, I don't want to turn into a financial advice blo- podcast, but like, mm-hmm. please people, like, you know, <laughs> keep an eye on how much money you have. It really helps. It really yeah. does. Yeah. So they tell me. So they tell me. <laughs> In terms of uh, just to go back to like the final revelation with the with the new Captain America thing, I I thought they did quite a good job with the TV thing because I understand that that is a trope, but I think as you were saying, it's so impersonal, it's like so brutal in that moment that, mm. and I think you see it all over Mackie's face. I think there is an amazing yeah. that the way the shot lingers on him, his face just says you absolute motherfuckers <laughs> and you can really read it all over his face so not just the fact that they have made or kind of recruited a new cap but he's like it, it's 
he wasn't even part of that process when Steve handpicked mm. him. And I think the fact that he sees it on the TV, not having heard from anybody else, it just says so much about where he mm. stands at the moment. And I thought that was really effective. I'm aware it plays into a, a trope, but I think in this specific instance, it, there was a lot of context around that that, that really hit hard for me. It's not hard to see why he didn't take the shield, though. It's like, here is a magic backpack that lets you fly, and here is a piece of metal that you are too weak to throw. I mean, (laughs) really? I think it's very light. I think it's like Mithril. Like, I think he can throw it. So he wouldn't be trying to fly with it, but he's like, he's being dragged out of the air because it's so heavy. Because it doesn't doesn't obey the laws of physics, like, at all. So it's, yeah, yeah, that's not a problem. My my bigger issue with with that scene was that that guy appeared to be a politician. You know, he's mm-hmm. at the very least an appointee, if not a sort of a senator or somebody. And it is very unusual for an American politician to have a beard. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> has been for a century now, I'm just saying. Well, we didn't even meet Sharon Carter in this episode. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sharon Carter is Captain America's beer joke. Happy birthday to you. I also would like that that scene at the end was like, they've spent all the money on the action sequence at the beginning, so they couldn't even afford a a location that looked vaguely like Washington. It was just like, get some pillars. I'm going to put the guy in between two pillars and then just crowd, if you could just kind of spread out a little bit, but also look like you're compact. Spread out, but look (laughs) compact if you can, because we just need to cover the fact. If you could just put on some weight or or a large coat, (laughs) that would be super. Quickly put on some weight, but we don't have a huge craft services because we've spent all the money on Anthony Mackie's CG. So, yes. Sorry, folks. Yeah, there was a one moment where I felt there were the limitations of a TV style budget. I was also struck by how um, the helmet doesn't suit Wyatt Russell. Very mm-hmm. handsome man, but instantly makes his face look punchable. That might be deliberate. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. He, yeah, so yeah, he's a very handsome man, but he he also has a you know he's had a face that's, that 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 looks like it's endured violence over the years, Wyatt yes, Russell. Does. So, whereas, whereas Chris Evans' face, I don't know if you can remember it, Helen. Um, um, maybe I'll really. call up a picture of it here I right now. could probably etch it, if that yeah. would help. <laughs> Draw it from memory. Yeah. I can sculpt I can. I've done a 3D sculpture from memory here, Chris. Uh, yeah, he has a perfect, pristine face that is unbroken by little things like aging and withering and wrinkles. Um, whereas Wyatt Russell, I don't know, there's there's something about that shot at the end with him winking at the camera in a way that, quite frankly, Steve would never have done mm. ever in a million years. Kind of sums up who this guy is. So if you don't read mm. the comics or you don't know who John Walker is, he's named in the credits and obviously you know, you see graffiti with his name on it through in the, in the credit sequence. But he is... Basically, a more right-wing thuggish, you could say borderline fascistic version of Captain America, who in the comics is also known, has been also known as U.S. Agent. Uh, he is not a gent. He is uh, he is absolutely not that. Uh, he is a grade-A asshat. Yeah, I, I have written down in my notes here, fuck that guy. So, <laughs> I'm not in, not in the same kind of font that I usually use for a Captain America. So. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. I'm, getting quite I'm kidding. Racy. I'm kidding. My love is true. 
to-do list. Helen's to-do list. <laughs> to-do list. Steve Rogers. Fuck that guy. Hey. Oh, dear. I, I am intrigued to see what they do with the uh, John Walker stuff here. Because when I asked um, Malcolm Spellman about this for the cover feature, which is on sale now in the hey. latest issue of Empire, um, he was talking show. about doing a like a slightly more sympathetic turn on, on this character based on what's in the comics and how mm. maybe not so thuggish, but like when they picked... Steve to be Captain America. It was like you're an inherently good dude who hasn't seen any combat yet and could do with being an absolute beefcake. Whereas this guy <laughs> is like has been in wars and killed people for his country and seen some shit and maybe that has shaped him in a very different way to Cap. So I'm kind of intrigued because uh, you like you said when you see him in this episode you think oh you absolute prick why are you winking why have you got the dorky helmet it like nobody liked the dorky helmet from Avengers Assemble um it's got the chin strap what are you doing with the chin strap but I, I I'm intrigued to see how they managed to make this guy seem potentially a bit more sympathetic because you just instantly rail against seeing somebody else wearing well, yeah. obviously it's not the same suit, but wearing a similar suit and holding that shield. I hope they don't make him too sympathetic. I really hope that they don't give this guy a pass. Um, I, I don't think he's the bad guy of the show. I think he's more of an antagonist. But I hope that they, mm. you know they don't all pal up at the end and you know end up fighting Simo or whoever the real big bad is um, yet to be revealed. I hope not. I hope not. But we'll, we'll see. Wyatt Russell's a really good actor. And um, uh, that's it. Now, that's, that's Wyatt Russell... Kurt Russell in the MCU. Now we just need Goldie Hawn and Kate Hudson, and we've got a four for four for mm-hmm. for Bingo, the the old Russell Hawn family Bingo. Uh, ben, just before we move on as well, you said Avengers Assemble. I discovered this week. I looked at Disney Plus, and uh, the Avengers 2012 is now known as the Avengers on there. It is no longer known as yes, Avengers Assemble. That's exciting. Finally, my leaflet <sighs> campaign has paid off. You printed enough leaflets. I did print it. That's why I have no money, um, <laughs> basically. But it was worth it. It was worth it. And I'd do it again tomorrow. So do, do we know if the title card has changed? Have they have they reverted? Oh, come on, Ben. Do what you want from me. I we'll can't report do back. I'll, I'll, you guys talk about something else. I'll do that. I'll take a look. <laughs> I mean, I, I love it. shows how much things have changed in the last nine years that at the time they thought... UK audiences are going to see the phrase The Avengers and think of spy capers and maybe possibly that Uber Thurman movie. Uh, there is a generation for whom it will always yeah. mean Diana Rigg. And uh, that is firmly not this generation or my generation. <laughs> the Avengers will always be Steve and Tony and Natasha and Hawkeye, ugh, Bruce. No one say anything else. I just want Ben to start listing all the Avengers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's the lineup in Avengers Assemble. Then you get to the end of Age of Ultron and you've got what? You've got Sam, oh you've got Vision, <laughs> you've got who else is around at the time? Well, Scarlet Witch is around. <laughs> but what do we think? Let's talk, let's talk about one of the show's central conceits. So it's Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but... You know, Sam is the first person we see. He's the first person we stay with for any length of time. We're with him for at least the first 12 to 15 minutes of the episode. I wouldn't be surprised if ultimately it turns out to be his show in the way that WandaVision turned out to be Wanda's show. And he has, yes, there we go. It's official. The Avengers. Six minutes, 56 seconds in on Disney Plus. Marvel's The Avengers. Well, there you go. Fuck you, Avengers Assemble. I hate to send the title. I am glad that you are dead. That's Dance huh. in Your Grave. 
jig 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 for a little bit more. But anyway, let's talk about let's talk about Sam mm-hmm. because it's you know as as Ben knows, having written the cover feature about it, uh, Malcolm Spellman, who is African American, uh, one of the chief concerns he has going into this is to you know talk about what it's like being a black man who has been bequeathed the mantle of Captain America uh, in this series. That's where we're, that's one of the things that they're going to explore. And it's interesting that at the beginning of the show, he has rejected that mantle. What did we make of that? Were we surprised by that? Because I thought going into this, we've talked about this in the podcast before, I thought that, because it was clear that Sam wasn't going to be Captain America, at least not right away, but I assumed that he was going to be challenged by the government, that they were going to go, yeah. it's not Steve's right to call you Captain America. He just he owns a shield, but we own him or something like that. So therefore, we get to decide he's going to be Captain America, not Steve Rogers. That doesn't seem to be the case here. Uh, it very, very clearly seems to be that Sam has rejected the shield. Now, he mm-hmm. says in the episode that, you know, we even hear the dialogue. You know, how does it feel? Steve says, how does it feel? He says, it feels like it's someone else's. And he repeats Fair that. Enough. Yeah. But he also says at the end of Endgame, he also says, thank you, and I'll do my best. Hmm. Now, this was not his best. <laughs> I, I think this goes to, I think this particular bit is less about, a little bit less about race and more about Sam's innate modesty. That's what I think. And I think it's also about kind of a, a sort of a mourning period for Steve as well. I, I feel like it's, his emphasis here is on Steve as a person being Captain America and not being able to live up to Steve as a person. And I feel like it's only when John Walker comes along that he instinctively goes, oh no, fuck that. If it's going to be anybody, it's going to be me. It shouldn't be anybody, but if it's going to be anybody, it's me. And I I feel like that's maybe the distinction. He's willing for no one to be Captain America in a way that Steve wasn't, maybe, Mm -hmm. but he's not willing for someone else to be Captain America. Yeah, I got the sense that it was... um yeah, he he looks at everything Steve's done, those shots of him in the Smithsonian where he's just surrounded by a wall of all the amazing things that Steve did and thinking, I haven't done these things. How how can I be Captain America? Whereas I think the thing that Steve saw in him is the qualities that you'd need, almost that mm. sense of, like Helen was saying, the modesty, the person who wants to have the shield probably shouldn't have the shield. Mm-hmm. And he has those qualities that make him an ideal person to take on this role. But he's so hung up on the fact that he hasn't done these things that it's he doesn't have to have done those things. He will create his own legacy in time. And yeah. I really hope through the course of the show, it's him realizing that he has everything he needs that Steve already saw that he has to be a Captain America. He just doesn't have to be that the Captain same. America. Yeah. I mean, there is also a, a possibility of sort of internalized racism being a factor, I guess. And, and part of the Part of the insidious nature of white supremacy and institutional racism and structural racism is that it gets you to question whether or not you are good enough on a far, a far greater degree than a white man will, or a straight man, or whatever else. So it it's not um, it's not as immediate, and you you do face a, a, a higher internal barrier as well to believing you're, that you're good enough. I mean, some people obviously do, but not, you know, it's not as easy. Also, and I can't emphasize this enough, the shield is rubbish. 
unless you're a super soldier and can use it properly. And ultimately, for Anthony Mackie, it would just be a piece of metal that he then has to carry around. He has wings. He doesn't need a shield. It'd be downgrading. He can have wings and a shield. I don't think it's yeah. a one or the other. But I, I don't know. It might affect his aerodynamics. Also, I'm not sure how light it is. Have we established that Vibranium is super, super, super light? I don't know. I just think, you know, super soldier, yes. Cap could smack it all over the place and was great with it. I do think for Anthony Mackie, and I'm sure he will end up using it before the series is over, but mm-hmm. it would just be a big bit of metal that he then has to find somewhere to put. I, I did like that sense of um, when it was just on his very soft and lovely looking bedspread and it was like, you know, you know when <laughs> you have that blue something as well. Your, Red, white and blue. Was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know when you have something and you're like, I don't know what to do with this. There is no place for this in my house. I will just put it here and it will stay here until I manage like to find a place. My grandma gave me this. I have to put it somewhere. He could have put it on eBay. No, he couldn't. He oh, could have loads put, for it, yeah. Helen. And Steve would never have known because he would never be able to work one of those, you know, what are those, those newfangled doohickeys called? Computers? Right. He would never have known. He's had 60 years to learn. Jesus. That Steve doesn't internet bank. I bet he doesn't. He's he's face to face. He would have been literally ahead of internet banking. Like he had internet banks before going back no, to Solon the past. No, Solon was ahead of internet banking. Anyway, it's because he's a head in a computer. Solon yeah. from okay. Mm-hmm. Now I get you. from Winter Soldier. Yes, we understood the day. <sighs> anyway, he's dressed like he's going to a funeral in that scene. Yeah, this this episode goes out of its way to make you think that they've they've bumped off Steve Rogers off camera in the same way that they bumped off Peggy Carter uh, off camera in Civil War. And they, they obviously, I, well, I presume they haven't done that. But mm. the question of where Steve is, is raised by Torres. Danny Ramirez is Torres during the episode. The rumours are that he's on a moon base looking down at the planet. Um, but what do we think? Where, where is Steve Rogers? He's definitely on the moon. I don't think this is the Umbrella Academy, guys. I think yeah. <laughs> I think he's just retired. That's what I think. To the moon. No, yes. no, I think he's retired on Earth in a little house on Earth. That's what okay. I think. He's, he's in a but town also on the moon. by the name he's- of Westview in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Um, I, I did like the uh, the moon theories, the the MCU anon, as I've decided to call it, hey. uh, the crackpot conspiracy theories. Uh, but yeah, I am intrigued with where steve is because we had nothing addressing that at all and he maybe he's still on that bench <laughs> what just he, wait, he can't, can't get, get up he's like his back's gone <laughs> oh god i'm stuck here now sam says he's been working with the air force for six months so it's at least six months after the unblip yes so this is post one division and quite a while post one division mm. as well i fully expected this to take place literally in the immediate aftermath of the blip well, you were wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's it is interesting the time frame, uh, which I think also maybe sets it after Far From Home. Uh, but they both mm-hmm. they both are along similar lines in that it's not just about how does the world function post blip, and how you, Far From Home is obviously about how Peter Parker functions without Tony Stark, and that's a huge question here as well. Without Tony Stark. How do these people go about their business? Uh, at some point, what happens if that Stark tech breaks down and Tony Stark, the smartest man on the planet, is not there to fix it and upgrade it and you know, and, to, and to help him out? Well, first of all, it seems like uh, Anthony Mackie himself or Sam himself is pretty good at fixing things. Second pretty of all, good, we know we've got Ironheart coming along. Yes. Okay. 
Interesting. And I mean, the smartest man on the planet is very much up for contention because there's quite a lot of very, very, very smart people already established in this group. So, you know, Shuri's in the game. Um, Bruce is in the game. Like, there are people you can go to with your problems. True, but none of I, 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 st- I think even Shuri doesn't have the knack for invention that Tony Stark has had because he's dead now, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's probably dead. dead. Uh, so... And he he bankrolled the Avengers. All that all that cool tech they had, all the cool upgrades. He would just kind of go, "Yep, yeah, there you go. You need, need need new suit, Peter Parker. You've got a new suit. Need a new helicarrier shield. You got a new helicarrier. Stark tech. And now he's dead." As we saw in Far From Home, like Stark tech is still available to Peter Parker, for example. So, but a certain point's going to become obsolete, Helen, like an iPhone. Okay, but again, we have Ironheart coming, so not necessarily. Is it that sense of, of, speaking of Apple, that like Steve Jobs is dead, but mm. Apple still exists, and now exactly. there are people trying to work out, okay, who's going to be the crazy creative, oh, hey, I have made up a thing that doesn't exist yet, and now everyone's going to catch up, versus mm. like, we're just going to make the things that everybody else makes, but in an Apple slash Stark way. And mm. also, don't forget the allegations in Far From Home, that Tony Stark didn't do it all himself. Mm. Well, he took other stole people's everybody else's, Yeah, stole credit for everybody else's ideas and work. Yeah, but anyway, it is about them trying to navigate life without Tony, and mm. it is about them trying to navigate life without Steve as yeah. well, uh, guiding them as the, the North Star that he usually was in the Avengers. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. And of course, Rhodey was in this episode as well. Yeah, I thought that was really good, actually. And I loved the idea that he was the one to challenge Sam, first of all, on not picking up the shield because that felt absolutely right and it felt like you know that something that the older black man should absolutely be doing to his younger colleague and sort of really kind of pushing him a little bit on on his own reluctance i think that was a really nicely played scene between the two of them i imagine there's some shared feeling there as well because rody is obviously was was Tony Stark's wingman. He played a sort of similar role of the best friend who has similarish tech and is there for all of the adventures, and now doesn't have his person either. Um, mm. So I, I think that was a nice way of um, of these two characters having a sort of shared thing going on in that sense. Also, I just love how lived in this feels, that you're just like, oh, yeah. cool, Rhodey's here. Like, that makes total sense. Mm. And we can yeah. just stick him in the first episode, and it feels of a piece with everything else. And again, both Air Force, you know, both similar background. They've, they've, they mm-hmm. were almost sort of not paired off, but squared against each other a little bit in um, in Civil War as well. So it just kind of felt, it, it felt mm. right. It felt sensible. If you could put Don Cheadle in the first episode of your MCU six episode spinoff series. Exactly. Put Don Cheadle in the first episode of your six episode MCU spinoff series. Sorry, isn't it Don Cheadle? It is Don Cheadle. I'm so sorry. If you haven't My seen apologies. Barbara Star go to Vista Del Mar yet, just My that apologies. should be your weekend. Yeah, hopefully Trish will turn up at some point. Ah, oh, Trish. <gasps> oh, Trish. Um, but yeah, so so um, the the scene at the end, which I, I know that some people have have an issue with, the the bank loan scene, mm. reminded me a little bit of you know the specimen scene from. He looked. At, he also looked a bit like Jasper Sitwell, mm. the the bank clerk. I wonder if that was almost vaguely deliberate uh, as well. But it reminded me just. I just love watching ordinary people lose their shit when confronted with an Avenger. But it, it did pose lots of questions about how the Avengers lived their lives, how they went about. We've we've always asked, did they have jobs? Were they paid money? Um, did they pull a 
Did they, you know, pull down a salary? Did they have medical benefits? All that sort of stuff. And this goes a little way to answering some of those questions. Mm. <laughs> they get by on goodwill or lack thereof in this case. Yeah. I mean, yeah, th- this I had a bit of a an issue with, I think. So first of all, I mean, you, you can't, well, they obviously are, but you can't discriminate against half the population of the world in for not having a financial record for five years when they literally didn't exist. There, there has to be some kind of fix for that because otherwise you you w- really would have created complete and total chaos. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love the the references in this show, you know, the thing about um, the tech guys are struggling because they're coping with a billion returning IPs or whatever it was. Like these are great, oh, great things yeah. to, to reference. Yeah. 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 These these are really, really clever things to reference. It of course would we we talked about this in the Endgame spoiler special, I believe. I think we fitted it in somewhere there in the six hours. Um that it would cause <laughs> complete six. and utter chaos. Um, so all of that is good, but at the same time, there has to be a fix. Bank can't just turn you down because you didn't exist for five years. That doesn't make any sense. And and also, there has to be some kind of way that Avengers are making money. Now, it may mm. be that he doesn't want to ask Pepper to guarantee the loan or mm. anything. It may be that he doesn't want to go to any of his super friends and, you know, I'm not saying a handout, but even like just support in getting the loan. He clearly mm. thinks he can do r- the right thing by playing the system. He's a clearly a guy who trusts the rules and thinks that, you know, and that this is the big contrast between him and his sister, um, mm. Sarah, that she is very, very aware of how the world works. And I think Anthony Mackie's Sam has a little bit more of a kind of rosy glow of, look, if we just do the right thing, they're going to see that we're doing the right thing and everything's going to be fine. How cap of him, by the way. How, <laughs> how is, steep isn't it? of it him. It is a bit, yeah. But at the same time, like, he's got to be getting paid by somebody. He's definitely getting paid by the Air Force. She doesn't want to take his money, fine. Mm-hmm. But he's still on somebody's salary. And you think he'd have a pension, right? Some sort of he, pension? Yeah. And also, he's a freaking Avenger, and somebody yeah. must have given them some money. Like, they must have signed the Sokovia Accords at some point post-Civil War, and therefore, presumably, a salary comes for that. Because if, you, if you're if you on call at any point for the government to send you places, then they mm-hmm. have to pay you for that. Well, Sam's interesting, because I don't think he's ever signed the Sokovia Accords uh, because of Civil War. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But they have to yeah. be done by now. Maybe, maybe not, because you know, let's go through the time that Sam hasn't just been gone for five years when he says it, and I, I you yeah. know, I wonder how much we're going to hear about this in terms of uh, if you're an Avenger, do you get more than just as Vision and Wanda did a room and board at the Avengers complex? But of course, for Sam, it was slightly different because he was part of Team Steve, yeah. and so he was gone for the previous two years. Even before that, he was a fugitive from. Yeah. You know, he was running from the law with Steve and Wanda and Natasha. So that's going to play into his financial situation as well. So presumably, I would imagine Avengers do get some sort of salary somehow from somewhere, because how else could Fission have afforded that house in Westview? Oh, my God, we're going down the rabbit hole here. Well, no, he could have obviously just hacked into anything because he's like... Yeah. I, well, I yes. always assume that Tony just bankrolled everything while he well, was alive. He literally he paid said for he did. Everything. Yeah, yeah, he literally said he did. But that doesn't mean yeah. he's like, they're going to make him... Because you know, he could easily have paid them all a million dollars a week. <laughs> and, and not noticed yeah. it. But maybe they only get like a, a per diem. <laughs> like, but they, they can't take it from See, the spa seems, or the gift shop. That seems unlikely, doesn't it? They all had very nice leather jackets. So that That's seems true. unlikely. I feel like he should have a decent salary. Like he had a really yeah. nice house, by the way, back in Civil War. No, back in Winter Soldier. 
Yeah. So like there has been money there in the past. Maybe he's bad at managing it. Maybe we're we're not seeing his gambling addiction. This is why he goes yes, his gambling addiction. This is why he goes to a bank to do face to face because he doesn't trust <laughs> internet banking. And quite right. rightly so. He's oh not God. Air Force anymore. He's private contractor, isn't he? Because he yeah. says he's got government contracts. So presumably he's now officially self-employed. He's self-incorporated. And he's just, you know, licensing himself out as a soldier of fortune. Yeah, but he'd like get paid more in that case you, than you he would on say, a, Now he's in the pension. private sector. He should be raking it in. Yeah. But maybe just because it's not considered, you know, con- it's not being a freelance. It's not consistent work. It's mm. a little bit sporadic and ad hoc. And the banks just have none of it. To me, the whole thing felt like a bit of a commentary. Obviously, he is literally a veteran, but it felt like a bit of the, a commentary on that. Like veterans oh, yeah. come home uh, from war and having just served their country are mm. often absolutely fucked over mm. by the system. And so, on on a macro uh, MCU scale, Anthony he macro. literally, yeah, he literally helped save the world. He said on your left as he swooped through that portal, and still, <laughs> yes, he's just absolutely screwed yeah. by by the system. By... There should have been a one-off payment of everybody in that battle. Like, yeah, thank you yeah. for saving the world. Here's your big check. Maybe like, he'll set up like a GoFundMe or like. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and, but yeah, look. I mean, in terms of in terms of structural serious things that we we obviously are you know ignoring the elephant in the room, which is racism. And there was a fantastic article online just a couple of days ago pointing out that the entire structure of our systems is designed to keep certain groups of people poorer than others. And mostly it's designed to keep especially black people, but people of color poorer Mm -hmm. than especially rich people, but also generally white people. Like it is designed around this. Um, People in poorer neighborhoods are taxed uh, in the US at a higher rate than people in rich neighborhoods in terms of their property taxes. There's all this kind of shit that you have to put up with. It is much more expensive to be poor than to be rich. And yes, absolutely, banks historically have 100% refused loans to black people when it would enable them to set up their own business, gain their own financial security, gain their own financial freedom. I mean, this is something that came up as well in Watchmen, James, on TV a couple of uh, years ago. So, you know, it's it's very, very much there. Didn't didn't Mackie already deal with this in yes, his other did. film for Apple? Yeah, it's called The Banker. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. Also stars Nick Fury. There you go. <laughs> and Beast from the X-Men films. It's, it's full of superheroes. There, and there's a huge action sequence halfway through. If, if there, the, yeah, with, yeah, with some pieces of paper. And- if it sounds slightly dull and you don't really fancy checking it out, there's a massive, massive battle at a You just keep crash. watching until you see it. You'll know the one we mean. Yeah. 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 yeah, just keep watching it. It's about two hours in. After the end credits, just keep watching. <laughs> just keep watching. There are a couple of other interesting things about that. Of course, not not at least the fact that Stark appears to have been a cheapskate. I mean, after all, when he died, he, what did he leave? What did he leave to Peter Parker? Some glasses. Yes, glasses that can access the entire world's defense network. Um, but glasses nonetheless. I mean, Christ Almighty, Tony, couldn't you've given the guy like five hundred million dollars? I don't know. Um, same with Sam. Same with Steve. Same with everybody. Just leave them loads of money. You're trillionaire for god's sake maybe they gave it all to charity this actually i'm gonna i'm gonna chip in suddenly yeah. it occurred to me maybe they maybe he did, he did and maybe with, with all of these people like you know out of luck because they just blip back after five years yeah. you can just see it can't you they've fucking given it all to charity fuck's sake they've given it all to charity those motherfuckers i mean those that's lovely those it's wonderful a lovely thing heroes. those wonderful yeah, people those, those yeah great, great people um, yeah. but also helen you said that you know there should be a, a system in place post blip to cover the people who did disappear for five years mm. and don't have any banker records and therefore have no credit history and can't get a, a can't get a loan. But of course we're over a year into the pandemic and True. you know, it's still colossally 
badly organized in certain mm. areas, uh, of course, on both sides of the Atlantic and governments all around the world are struggling to react to this. And there are industries, entire industries that have been left behind. And so it, yeah. it maybe is a little bit true to life that even six months in, they wouldn't have scrambled to make legislation to cover this particular area, um, especially if, as you say, there is it is rooted in institutional racism. Mm. Uh, but it does seem to me as well that the offenders don't seem to be a thing anymore. Is is anyone else getting that that sense? I mean, yes, but also you know the the ties of friendship or whatever kind of have to remain. So you know, I don't feel like you need to be an organization to still be able to call Pepper. But yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. But you think the Avengers have been disbanded? That's that's what I'm getting from from this. Everyone's just off doing their own thing. Sam's working for the military. Bucky was never an Avenger in the first place. We'll get to him in a second. Um, but it does seem to me that you know Wanda was off in Westview. So who's left? Basically, Hulk, Clint, mm, Ant Man, kind of it. Doctor not Strange, Avenger. Doctor Strange, not an yeah. Avenger. You no, know, no, no, so no. of the Avengers, Rhodey. Captain Marvel probably off world, but yeah, yeah. Rhodey. But then I guess maybe it's the sort of skeleton crew organization of uh, during the blip. You know, it's the sort yeah. of somebody, somebody's during at the headquarters. The so, somebody's at headquarters taking the calls and uh, like can mm. reassemble the gang if needs oh, be. Maybe reassemble. <gasps> reassemble. Uh, he was working for Shield at the time, but it was it was Nick Fury who brought them all together, and even he's out in space at the moment. So there is no other even overarching figurehead would be like, guys, we need to create a new yeah. Avengers or something. Yeah, a new Avengers, eh? Uh, mm. Young Avengers? Eh? <laughs> what, I don't know. What a who notion knows? that would be. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm here for the Great Lakes Avengers. That's what I. I can't wait. I can't West wait Coast for Avengers to a thing. or GTFO. Oh, I I used to love the West Coast Avengers. Oh, it was so much fun, so much more sunshine. Um, we have a white vision now. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yes, yes, we we do. Uh, we still don't have Wonder Man, but you know, maybe, maybe down the line, who knows? Um, let's talk about Bucky mm. because he is going through a very different time. Yeah, um, he is more haunted by his past and more haunted by guilt for obvious reasons. Yeah, uh, a little he, book that's a lot less fun than Cap's little book. I know, but yeah. I love the parallel. I thought that was mm. great. Mm -hmm. Also, if you know, he's sleeping on the floor. Um, yes. Cap and yes. Sam both had that conversation in Winter Soldier about how the beds are too soft when you come home from war. It's that's like sleeping right, on a marshmallow. Did. So there's a yes. lovely parallel there and kind of setting yes. up the parallels between Sam and Bucky, which we haven't really had previously. Love it. Anyway, carry on. And um, did, did anyone notice he was, you know, how he was in a state of undress when he sat up on the on the floor? Ellen, did you notice I that? No, I did. I yeah. did black out briefly, but I don't remember seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, it was like fucking hell, Stan. Put some work into the gym, mate. Did you notice he was watching a football match? <laughs> yes, he, I tried uh, to identify it, but I couldn't. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> well, that's because it hasn't happened yet. Because it's in twenty twenty three. It was the Reds and the Blues, so I can only assume it's Liverpool uh, Everton. Yes, I can only. Yes, they're the only was. red and blue teams. That's right, right Helen. That's my understanding wasn't, of football. It wasn't Liverpool because they were wearing white shorts. Oh, do they not wear white? I don't. Need, do you know what? I forget. I asked that. I don't want. Yeah, to know. you're bringing a knife to a gunfight, my friend. Uh, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the little men with the red shirts. <laughs> yes. Therefore, they must be. I have no idea. Yeah, but I also have. I have. I have questions about. <laughs> Christ, I have questions about time zones. <laughs> that just struck me. This watching the episode. Okay, okay so Torres, Torres, right? Um, you know. His armor proved he was a red. Torres, Torres, you'll never walk alone, has said. Torres, Torres, we bought the lad from sunny uh, Spain. Give him the ball, he'll score again. Fernando Torres, Liverpool's number nine. Oh no, it's, 
It's a Liverpool reference. It's Joaquin Torres. Torres, Chris. Oh, is it? Sorry, Joaquin, the uh, the Spanish winger. Um, so yes, Torres. Torres mm-hmm. is in Germany or Prague? No, Switzerland. Prague pretended to be Germany. That's Switzerland. Switzerland. That's Switzerland. That's Switzerland. All right. Yeah. So I didn't he get it until the second time, but Switzerland. Okay. So he's calling Sam from Switzerland just after the Flag Smashers raid. Yeah. Okay. So it's still night there. Sam, who's in Louisiana, is in the daylight. Does that work out time zone wise? How would yeah, that work? Is like if six Sam. Hours they're six hours They're behind. behind in America. So if it's, let's say, 10 o'clock at night in Switzerland, uh-huh. they would be 4 p.m., right? It's like that scene from Extras. <laughs> why, why, why would it not be? Um, because they're behind us, aren't they? They're behind us. So right America's now it's 5 o'clock. Us. So Switzerland America's would have been behind. ahead of so Switzerland's ahead. Louisiana. Yeah. So Switzerland is nighttime. Yeah. yeah. But that's like clearly... 10 a.m. Oh, no, that does make sense. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Wait a minute. If they're behind us, yeah. who's ahead? No, America's behind. America's, America's behind us. Behind. Yeah, so in Asia America, is it ahead. is yet to get dark, and in Switzerland, it yeah. is dark. So either it was 2 a.m. in Switzerland, then in Louisiana, it would be... No. Wait, yeah, it would be like 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Yeah. So, it, like, it, it, you know, that's, that's fine. Although I, I think it was afternoon, so I think it's earlier in the evening. In All right, Switzerland. Okay. So that kind of does work. That yeah. kind of does work. All right. Okay. 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 They fuck you in Switzerland. The fucking flag smashes will fuck you in Switzerland. I don't um, know why it's gone all petty. I apologize. Let's talk about. Let's talk about Bucky again. We were talking hey. about Bucky because he's 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 an old man and he's he brings is. her flowers because oh, he's, he's an old, old man and it's so, so cute. oh so sweet. It's it, my favorite favorite line is when Yori suggests. He, you know, he, can he take you out maybe to bingo or a night of pinochle? And I'm just, <laughs> what I'm is game pinochle? And you're just like, it's a, it's a, it's a game. I don't even understand it. It's something that old people talk about and nobody else plays. I don't like even bridge. know. But yeah, it's ador- it's adorable. It's like you know, it's exactly what your grandpa would say when you know thinking of a nice date that you could go on. I just I can't I couldn't love it anymore if I tried for a while as well. I was convinced that Yuri was going to be like one of his mates that he grew up with in Brooklyn yeah. and realized that it, like he he would be still too young for that because yeah. Bucky is so old. But I was like, oh, he's in Brooklyn, like reconnecting with his old friends because he's got nobody else. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, then it turned out to be something darker and sadder than that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, still nice. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. There's all sorts of stuff going on there. So he's trying to fit back into society. Again, we have questions about how does he earn a living? Uh, there are questions about how well known he is mm. because uh, Leia, who again is one of those characters, I don't think she's introduced by name in the episode, but she is in the credits. She doesn't seem to recognize him. And part of me thinks, okay, that would work because he was a winter yeah. soldier and he was undercover for, for decades. But he was also public enemy number one for about five minutes in Civil War when he was the chief suspect in the UN bombings. But that would have so, mostly been in, like, they mostly would have been putting that on TV in Europe because they were trying to catch him in Europe and they didn't think he'd gone too far. So Right. Also, say, he was a massive right? goth back then. He's like, his yeah. new look is very transformative. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think you'd look at him and be like, oh, you were, you were the, you were the, the, the brainwashed goth who was yeah. blowing shit up. But yeah. I do, yeah. And I do think as well, like, they have clearly made an effort to not publicize his, in the same way that they didn't publicize who Spider Man was. You know, they, there are some people whose identities they were out and proud about, and some people who they did kind of keep on the down low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, and of course, we do hear that he has been pardoned. Mm-hmm. 
as well for all as those crimes. As he should be, because they mm-hmm. were not his fault. He did not have mens rea. Mm-hmm. He is not mm-hmm. guilty of murder. This is okay. Mm. Also, he helped save the world. I mean, that too, yes. There is that. I mean, he helped. He was on the same battlefield. He was in the same place. <laughs> yes. When... <laughs> He didn't do a lot, if we're honest. <laughs> Sam did more. He he looks very different than he did in Winter Soldier, but now what if Leia goes to the Smithsonian, goes to that exhibition, yeah. and then is like, wait a second, that's the guy. He's got short hair, he's got a he's got a he looks like a soldier guy. Oh my god, that's him. Because there are people that, that that um that guy in Tunisia who recognizes Sam and he's hey Avenger, Avenger, thank you for bringing back my mm. wife. Who looks way younger than him? Yeah, I thought it was like going to be a daughter. To be I honest, it was be a daughter. Like, yeah. But then again, anyway. he would be five years older, wouldn't he? True. I mean, it's been a hard five years in that case. Wow, it, has it did look like a hard five years. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> but that guy clearly indicates that there there are people who are out, and obviously everyone who knows who Sam is. I guess. Uh, but there mm. must be people out in the world. And I, I was a little on edge, I have to say, all the way through the Bucky scenes in case there was a sudden attack from Simo or some prick uh, who knew who he was and knew where he lived and was having to go at him. During yeah. the scene with the, the date, for example, I was waiting for something to explode. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and then Bucky to go, no, I'm doomed never to have happiness, uh, holding her lifeless corpse. Harsh. We're not fridging anybody this early. Jeez. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean... Um, but I did wonder whether people are going to recognize him, whether people are going to know who he is, whether she's going to figure it out. How can he have a relationship? He is the Winter Soldier. What if, you know, what if, what if accidentally, what if her safe word is oh, one of his code words and triggers him? <laughs> I mean, it would have to be a lot of different safe words. Like, there's a, there's a <laughs> whole like, sequence, you know. Like, um, don't say furnace, for the love of Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Not boxcar. Why are we doing? <laughs> but I... I do actually think that was his takeaway from the scene, but it wasn't for any of those reasons. I think his takeaway from the scene was like he literally can't answer simple questions. Yeah. Why are you wearing gloves? Yeah. You know, what age are you? How many people in your family? Like he can't he can't answer any of those questions. Mm. Or at least he is honest. This is this was interesting. I thought this was a very Steve-esque touch that he's actually a hundred percent honest with people, and then he sort of does a little huh. like I haven't danced since nineteen forty three. Uh, mm. Lol. You know, yeah. I'm 106. <laughs> Kidding. I mean, why are you wearing gloves? Because I have a vibranium arm. I can't help feeling that if the date goes well, she's gonna find out about yeah. his vibranium but arm. I, I, yeah, so and I think, but I think he knows that, and I think he's like freaking out about it. He um, can't even and, wear a short sleeve t shirt. What's he gonna do yeah. when summer hits? I mean, what are we all gonna do when he he can't take? Also, his you know, what off? is the term? It's not ghosting or benching. <laughs> what is the term in dating parlance when you just get up and walk out on your date because you're having flashbacks to when you were a brainwashed killer? <laughs> um, I'm unsure. <laughs> We should probably Bucky'd. contact someone from Tinder and find out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's happened to me. Like, definitely, it's, <laughs> it's the kind of thing that does happen on internet dating. Uh, he's right about the tiger photos as well. They're <laughs> yeah. still a thing, despite being widely mocked. That's what, still what happening. Is this? What is this? Sedated tiger photos People are People posing, on, of, yeah. posing with sedated tigers because they went on holiday to, let's say, Thailand, I guess. I don't know where yeah. it happens. Somewhere there is a holiday destination where people go and you, you know, get your t- picture taken next to a tiger, I guess. Yeah. I mean, thing. I don't know what to tell you. It happens. Wow. And people okay. put this on their dating profiles, so. Blimey. Blimey, yeah. O'Reilly. Um, so Bucky is atoning. He's, I really like that scene with the shrink. 
Oh, she's so good. I love Amy Aquino. I, I always remember her from Working Girl, even though she's in it for about a minute and a half. I just think she's fantastic. But she's just so sarky and so kind of up to the challenge. And uh, and the whole jostling over, oh, don't the notebook. No, don't write it down. You know, I just thought that was great. Also, I just think Sebastian Sam was great in all of his yeah. scenes. He just makes does little expressions with his face, just tiny, like frustrated, grumbly, or like sort of throwaway, kind of sarky sort of faces that just really, really made an impact mm. for me. I thought he was great. His face when Yori was asking her out for him was just a picture. Mm. Do you think they have a future together or is that it? I don't, I don't feel like, like, it's clear something's going on with him. Like, if somebody, like, ran out in the middle of the date like that with me, I would actually just think, there's something going on with them. <laughs> there's something going on with me. It's, it's not me, soldier. it's them. <laughs> no, it is literally them. Like, that's okay. I'm fine with that. Um, so, I don't know. It's, it's possible, but who knows. I don't yeah. think that's what the show's planning for him, though. Do you? Well, happiness. Well, I mean, yes, but also um, a girlfriend who's a waitress. No, I, I, I don't think so. Unless she gets, you know, bitten by a radioactive fish and becomes fish woman or something, you know, I, I don't know. It's entirely Please possible. That happen. Is that Namor's backstory in this? I oh don't know. God, I was thinking about Namor the other day. I frequently really? do. Yeah, I was. I, whenever I was watching, you know, that cut of a certain film, and oh, yeah. the, the they have their own very very own fish dude, and I was thinking that this is one of the few things that the DCEU has done before Marvel. Yeah, and true. done it better than Marvel. Obviously, they've done a better Marvel because Marvel hasn't done it yet, but they, they did their fish bloke. And now I'm wondering if that's put Marvel on the back foot a little bit with their Maybe. fish bloke. Maybe they saw that Bongo playing octopus, or was it a squid, in Aquaman, which I rewatched yeah. the other night. And uh, yeah. and we're just like, we can't. We I mean, can't how do you compete with that? We can't top that. It's been done. Should we take some questions? Sure. Yes. From the lovely listeners. Here we go. At Cantonaz Ghost, frequent question asker on these shows, uh, with the potential issues of politics, social bias and existential guilt being addressed in this series, do you think the loan officer is Mephisto? Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. And if he's not, this is the worst show there's ever been. I can't believe Marvel would do this yeah. to us. He's Mephisto. 100%. Pretending to be Reed Richards. Hang on, James. You've moved on from your original theory that he was... Thanos, you know, reincarnated and in disguise. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And getting his revenge on the Avengers by not giving him bank loans. Yeah. The human torch was denied a bank loan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. Oh, my word. But yeah, I think we're going to be very, very careful with this series not to disappear down the rabbit hole of speculation <laughs> and rampant fan theory because, you know, we've been bitten. WandaVision bit us all over. Uh, but I, I am putting all my money, and I don't have a lot, on Doctor Strange turning up at the last episode <laughs> to save the day. That's what's going to happen. Uh, at Kenny Greenboy. Uh, asks, in the end credits, there were obvious gaps for Emily Van Camp and Daniel mm -hmm. Brühl, but were there other gaps for other unseen cast members? I don't know. Maybe. I'm saying yes. I counted mm. three, I think. I counted three potential gaps for cast members. Now, Helen, we were talking about this the other day in our, we were, in our yeah. WhatsApp group, weren't we? And you were, you were saying that, uh, and you were right, because, you know, I read it myself, but um, Joe Robinson of Vanity Fair... Uh, had written a piece saying that there may well be some characters that we haven't seen yet uh, who are very, very interesting. Helen, 
Tell us mm-hmm. about them. Okay, this isn't spoiling stuff that hasn't appeared yet because it is very much speculation on speculation. our part. Speculation. Let me make yes. that clear. Mm-hmm. So Carl Lumbly, uh, mm-hmm. who is an actor, if if you don't know his name, you will absolutely know his face. He Cagney was in. Lacey. Yeah, he was in Alias. Was he in Lost for a bit? Am I making that up? He was in Altered Carbon, Doctor Sleep. Like he's what a in great stuff. Name. Yeah. yeah, Carl Lumbly is brilliant. Carl um, Lumbly. So the rumor going around, and certainly the theory that that Joe was talking about, is that he might maybe be playing Josiah Bradley, who mm-hmm. was one of the soldiers given the super soldier serum prior to Captain America. So this would obviously recall the Tuskegee uh, soldiers, the African American men who were experimented on around the time of World War II um, mm. by racist fucks. And it would make a, a certain twisted, grotesque sense, and it has been a theory in the comics, that the super soldier serum was tested on such men before being given to Steve Rogers, and that mm-hmm. uh, Josiah was one of them, and he does have some abilities. And his grandson, Eli, um, becomes Patriot, who's a member of the Young Avengers. Is that right? I, can't, I got all mm-hmm. the teams mm-hmm. mixed up, but mm-hmm. the Young Avengers, I believe. So that would make a certain amount of sense. And we might see the two of them turn up because there is a young actor called Elijah Richardson who's also been cast. So that would kind of fit with Josiah and Eli turning up. So, yes, because we know that the way that these shows work is that you're only credited in the end credit sequence if you actually appear in the episode. So, the Wyatt Russell appears in the episode, obviously, in the very last shot. Aaron Kellyman, who plays Carly Morgenthau, who is. Uh, Carl Morgenthau in the comics, uh, obviously recast for this. Uh, Aaron Kellyman is in that scene in Switzerland. Uh, she's the one who's handing out the masks to Torres and the other Flag Smashers volunteers. Uh, doesn't have any lines, don't know really what she's up to yet, or indeed what the Flag Smashers are up to. We have a question mm-hmm. on that coming up, so I'll save it for then. We know they're in the episode, but there are definite spaces. We know Emily Van Camp is in this as, as Sharon Carter. We know that Daniel Van Brule, Daniel Van Brule, we know that Daniel Brühl <laughs> is in this as Simo, and uh, but I think there's another there's another space. Also, mm. if you look at the uh, the credit sequence, it it's filled with clues in a way mm. that the WandaVision credit sequence wasn't. So there are little bits of graffiti and little bits of wall art that seem to pertain to the specific characters, and there is a file. Uh, with an African-American man's face kind of obscured and you see the words test subject at one point. So I think this might well play into your theory. There's also the words power broker on there as well. And that pertains as well to a Captain America baddie also. So, so there's all sorts of stuff potentially going on there in the credit sequence. Cool credit sequence as well. I like the way that they're doing this with the shows that you have, mm. obviously you get a very brief title card at the beginning. And then I think um, as with the WandaVision music, I think this theme hopefully will grow on us over the, the next six episodes as we sit and wait to see if there's a, uh, a post-credit sequence each week. I love that they have Henry Jackman back um, because his mm. score for Winter Soldier is one of my favourites in the MCU. It's so freaking jangly. I love um, the Civil Wars. Uh, his Civil mm. Wars score is fantastic. Love it. But yeah, they've, they've given themselves a lot to kind of work with if they choose to. Whatever LAF is, we, I have no idea. I've literally been scanning Marvel bad guy organisations trying to figure out if any of them could be twisted to say LAF I can't find any. You maybe may do better than me. Um, Captain Vassant, as far as I can tell, is not a name that's ever been mentioned. If there's any reason for him 
Mm-hmm. Being such a, a target for rescue, I can't find it. Uh, Flag mm-hmm. smashers as well, obviously new. And there's a line towards the end uh, where somebody goes, and I've forgotten to write down who, you don't think he could be a... And then they stop. So who? Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good point. Let's talk about that. Because that, that dude who turns up at the end, who is not in the credit sequence at the end, so I wonder how important he is. But everyone seems to think that's Desmond... Chaim as Dovich, who may or may not be the leader, but I don't think he is the leader. I think she's the leader mm. of the Flag Smashers. And Flag Smasher is a character, uh, Captain America, again, bad guy in the comics. So they've seemed to have extrapolated that and turned the idea of that into an organization. Which actually sounds quite good. Like that kind of sounds like that would be the good side to be on. You know, like nationalism is, I'm just going to go ahead mm. and say it bad generally and i am here for getting rid of it personally so helen's a what? flag smasher yeah you big you big flag smasher uh someone sent in a question pertaining to that oh yes it was torres talking to sam that's when he says it. you don't think he could be a <gasps> could could we just talk about torres for a second torres who in the comics is a mutated birdman now <laughs> i'm assuming <laughs> i'm assuming his mutated birdmanness is not going to be a part of the show. He didn't look particularly like a Birdman in this. Just, you tainted you know. Birdman or the unexpected virtue of ignorance or whatever that bullshit <laughs> yeah. was. Did he have a freaking laser beam attached to his forehead? <laughs> he did. I want a freaking mutated Birdman. I really liked him. He was apparently only added to the cast in October. Oh, was he? Yeah, so um, fair play to him for doing a good job in, you know, with no run-up. As in they announced presumably. in October? They certainly are not. Yeah, but apparently, I don't know. I heard it was a late casting. Edition. Late casting, so maybe. Interesting. So. He's uh, he's in Top Gun Maverick. Danny Ramirez. Yes. You, you'll he see apparently him plays up fanboy. A... That's his call sign. There. Well, he's playing fanboy here as well. Hey. So it all works out. So the question that uh, pertains to the flag smashers and their ethos comes from John D. Ruddy at John D. Ruddy, and we also have a question um, along similar lines from. At Fal Shopaholic, she says, "Are the Flag Smashers the terrorist arm of Pokemon Go?" <laughs> <laughs> and John D. Ruddy says, "So they're framing people who are against borders and nation states as the villains. That's a choice." Well, yeah, and and maybe it's look, maybe it's inevitable when you know essentially your heroes are built around their friendship with a dude called Captain America, and maybe what their job is going to end up being is that they're going to be standing for like the right kind of nationalism as opposed to John Walker's kind of wrong kind of nationalism potentially. That seems to be kind of maybe where we're headed with this stuff. But this does play into one of my hated tropes, which is making really really good motivations your bad guy's motivations. I don't you know, know what you're talking about, Helen. When has that ever been done before? <laughs> All right, In Thanos. fairness, we're over an hour in and he's we just now mentioned Thanos. So. No, but I mean, seriously, like we've got to stop giving good, the better motivations to the worst people. It's well, not Helen, it's perhaps not healthy. Well, Helen, you need to question your definition of a villain and who truly is the villain of these films. <laughs> You are truly the villain of this podcast. <laughs> the guy wiping out half the universe, that's the villain. Okay. The people who are killing people, that's the villains. Right? I just, I, that's not complicated. It's not difficult. Thanos I doesn't just, kill people. Oh. Infinity Gauntlets do. That's right, Helen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we are, of course, pre- presupposing that the Flag Smashers are bad guys. True. Uh, I'm not so sure that they will turn it. I'm not so sure. I went to Sean Connery there. I'm not so sure they will be. Those flag-smashing bastards. This might be one of the approaches to exploring the post-blip world, 
because the impression I'm getting, although it hasn't really been laid out in black and white yet, is that post-blip, or sorry, post-snap, after everyone disappeared, that nations almost stopped being nationalistic and they they went, why are we doing all this? Why are we, mm. why are we fighting against each other? There are more important things. Let's, reach, let's come together, reach out across the, the borders and build a better tomorrow. And then when everyone comes back, Suddenly, oh, and then they all go to the beach and they like yeah, play together yeah. in the sand. And they and- frolic around, <laughs> except for Joe Russo's character who's sitting there really miserable. <laughs> oh no! And Van um, Morrison is playing in the background. Anyway, it's a Northern Irish oh my God. advert. Yes. You wouldn't get it. <laughs> oh dear Lord. Anyway, so I do wonder once people returned, whether nations went back to their bad old ways mm-hmm. and. It is an interesting question, isn't it? It is an interesting philosophical question. So mm. they seem to be, and we only have Torres' word to take for this, of course, that this is what they want, this is their sure. agenda. But they do seem to be saying that they want a return to the the old hippy-dippy, lovey-dovey days of pre-blip. And, and what are they doing to, what are they doing? I mean, we don't see them committing any terrorist acts. They're, they're robbing a bank at this point. So are they or, terrorists? Or what's, what's happening? Yeah. yeah. But they seem to be enhanced in some way. Well, that one does anyway, the one person, for sure. Mm. You don't think he could be a... A what? A I Dalek? Don't know. <laughs> a donut that has taken human form? A mutant? <gasps> no. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh my God. It's not... Please, can we not start this it's again? X-Men. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I do think they had quite a good plan with everybody has a mask and then yeah. we create a lot of confusion and we hand the bags around and suddenly you don't know who's who and who's got what good. bag. But yeah. It was quite a, quite a fun... Smart plan. Yeah. yeah. Quite Might v for vendetta. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's rob a bank. Um, yeah. As a yeah. lawyer. Uh... It's, just, it's just an app, Helen. It's just an app. It's not even a building. It's, it's a victimless yeah. crime. Nick J nine zero one seven asks, is Bucky in uh, My Name is Earl? <laughs> Which is true. Which is true. He's got his list oh, of people yeah. he needs to make amends to. He's going to go around, and this is going to be the format of the show. Every episode, <laughs> Bucky's going to go up to a different person and get in a wacky adventure while trying to apologise to them. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, that's what's, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, okay. That's what it is. Uh, when I clicked on uh, Disney Plus today to watch this episode again, didn't get to finish it, but when I, when, I, when I did, when I clicked on Disney Plus, you never guess what show was being promoted at the top of the of the, the top of the app. Don't Only face. my name is fucking Earl. Oh, okay. It's all connected. Wow. Is that the star version? Yes. My name is fucking Earl. Sebastian Stan was great in that apology scene as well. Mm. Like the awkwardness of him then standing in that car window just being like, I was a winter soldier. It was really great. It was quite funny. Yeah, I love that. Yes, there was no violence. You know, don't hurt anyone. Well, if it's that that important, that would be rule number one. (laughs) Don't you think? Uh, Yeah, because again, we didn't really spend that much time with, with Bucky. As Bucky, mm. he was always being manipulated and under the influence of someone or something or other, whether it's Robert Redford or Daniel von Brühl, um, and as he is now known, and <laughs> and you know we're getting to see that he's not Steve Rogers. He's got mm. this sarky defense mechanism. He's Chandler basically, but with a big old metal wow. arm. And as Chandler is the best of all the friends, uh, then I am very, very happy about that. Uh, at G.H. Simpo asks, has Captain America returned to his timeline to be with old Peggy? Do you think we'll see him? Do you think we'll no. see like even a, even a hint of him, maybe played from behind by Joe Biden at some point? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I did ask 
Kevin Feige about this, and he, he was, was saying say yes, he was never going to say yes, but he was. All, he did say that the the show will address where Steve is. Yeah, but that the well, assumption that he is on the moon, not alive, the moon. and in this universe is is an assumption at this point. Interesting. Mm. I wonder so. if we're going to get a different bullshit theory every week. That'd be good, like the uh, Joker's scars in Dark Knight. Yeah. That would be quite fun. But yeah, I've no idea where he is. I think he's alive. I don't think, yeah. even though the episode tries a couple of times to make you think that he's carked it, I don't think they would do something that momentous off camera. Yeah, I think all his friends are um, acting like he carked it to keep him private. Sid Lichtenstein, do you think we'll see more roads in the show? Where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> I would like to. Yeah, I think he's great. Why? Why was Why was Doctor Weir quoting Back to the Future? There, I'm very confused. Because <laughs> he goes, oh, "We're going. We don't need eyes to see." I got, I got confused. I got confused. The voices got entangled. Yeah, that is the cut of Event Horizon I'm not familiar with. Yeah. Now she has a new DeLorean. <laughs> Um, I think we will. I think we will. I don't think that was a one-off from Don Cheadle. I think if if Sam needs someone to speak for him, he's got someone who might yeah. be able to speak for him to the government. You know, so yes. that'd be an obvious way back in. Phil 4T 1886 is Tony Stark less of a hero than we thought with the news he didn't actually pay the Avengers much for their work. I might have to right? switch sides in Civil War. Don't you fucking dare! Don't you fucking dare! <laughs> yes, you are a man me. alone, Chris. Join me. No, no, no. Curator John doesn't really have a question. He just says he got, because he's a curator, a museum curator in real life, I'm guessing. Uh, I got completely distracted by the Captain America Museum, which on the surface looks great, but professionally speaking, is not up to spec at all. You're going to explain what you mean by that, my friend. Um, but he does say, for starters, it's lucky there's a new Captain America, as that shield was not safe in that flimsy showcase. Right, I did think that. Like, put it, put a, a replica, put something else there, or put some more security around it, rather than just this little Perspex box that someone's immediately going to smash flags with yes. or otherwise <laughs> and, and take it. I do think it's Perspex. And you do see, like, very, very expensive things in similar-looking boxes in museums. Like the crown jewels. Yeah. So I, do, I don't think it's necessarily... We can necessarily draw the fact that there's no security there. It is also the Smithsonian, which is a pretty secure museum. Like, it has a large <laughs> budget. You know. In terms of the exhibition, it did seem to be mostly just, like, pictures and things and not much in the way of words. Which there was there were words when words. they were walking along the, during the first part of the conversation between um, uh, Rhodey and Sam. There were the bits of text mm -hmm. on those yes. ones, but they have revamped it certainly since Winter Soldier, and perhaps for the worse. They do have sections of the Nut Museum now dedicated to the the snap and the blip and what happens because you see a final mission and there's like lots of text. I'm sure you could maybe pause it and, and zoom in. And I imagine it would be the, the end game final battle in excruciating detail. <laughs> and then Captain Marvel arrived and then she flew through a spaceship and then Wanda appeared and then Thanos is like rain fire and he shot his pants and it was terrible. At B. Tompkins. If the plot is Sam giving up the shield slash legacy of a lead Avenger because he doesn't feel he deserves it, and then a bad guy takes it off him and takes advantage, isn't this just Peter and Edith and Mysterio all over again? Also, Sam can make millions giving corporate speeches. <laughs> <laughs> 
See, another good way to make money, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, although I guess he can't commit to dates far in the future because he might be called off on a mission, so that might be a factor in terms of booking him for your latest events, I suppose. You can start a podcast. Everyone's got a fucking podcast these days. True. I Every mean, that's, yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. On the speech, I thought it was a very good speech, and I thought, again, Mackie was great in that moment. He seemed mm. legitimately heartbroken to be handing the shield across. Like it, You could tell that it was his choice, but you could tell that that was not what he wanted to be doing, but he didn't really want to keep it either. And yeah. I thought he really played that conflict. And you could tell that he still just misses Steve. But he's yeah. like, I don't want this, not because I don't want this, but because it's still Steve's and I miss Steve. I thought Do you he think he's Steve in a nursing home? <laughs> oh, and he's feeling really guilty about it. Oh no. That's what it is. It was guilt. Yeah. Do you think he's killed Steve? <laughs> Do you think it's one of the nursing homes from I Care A Lot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's become his legal legal guardian, taken yeah. all of his assets. Which again means he has money. I don't know what the problem is. He's saying, like, oh, no, I'm Captain America, I'm Captain America. They're like, yeah, sure you are, but <laughs> <laughs> I bought oh, Thanos. God. I bought that. Oh, we know what Captain America looks like. He's a young hunky dude. <laughs> You're Joe Biden. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, these are not Technically, spoilers for I Care A Lot, it's more the premise of the film. So. Yes. Yeah. Yes. If you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. If you want spoilers for I Care A Lot, by the way, the <laughs> I Care A Lot spoiler special is available right now in your spoiler special feed. But then again, you know that having subscribed to this. And you must be really glad that you did so as we enter our fourth hour talking about a 45 minute episode of television. Uh, but the question was if the plot is Sam gives up the shield, legacy of oh, Elite yes. Avenger, because he doesn't feel he deserves it, isn't that just Peter? and Edith and Mysterio all over again. Yeah, a little bit, but but maybe that's inevitable when you're dealing with this kind of legacy question and you're moving on to essentially a new generation of Avengers. Uh, you're kind of going to have to get them out with the shadow of the big guns. So, yeah. Huh. yeah. Sebastian and also, calls his arms. Hey, hey. <laughs> and I also think that's probably only going to be a very small part of this plot because I think there's going to be quite a lot more going on. So, yeah. Kay McNulty, MC... Did we know about Bucky's sister before? Don't recall. I don't believe don't so. so. Don't remember it being mentioned. Yeah. yeah, but strong implication is that she's brown bread. So yeah, doesn't really matter, does it? But Sam's sister was new, and his little adorable, cute nephews who reminded me very much of my of our, our nephews who live in France, who do. Who, who 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 kind of operate in exactly the same way? Like you know, they're really really <laughs> cheeky, and they wait for the grown ups to leave, and then they go video games. Three, and, uh, three yeah, two, two, one, one. Games. video games. <laughs> and in fact, when they came to the Empire office, um, we they played around with the Infinity Gauntlet. So they did, they, didn't they? they yeah. Yeah. Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was really confused because I thought you meant Sam's nephews visited the Empire office, but of course you mean Chris's. <laughs> no, I get Chris's it. Yeah. Nephews, also, it makes him Uncle Sam, which is perfect. Yes. Great, great nod. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I did like that relationship between Sam and Sarah. Mm. I thought it was yeah. it was very, very interesting, that, that brother-sister dynamic. She's not afraid to just punch an Avenger. Uh, you know, I had a very similarly spiky relationship with my sister growing up where we would regularly use each other as punching bags. Um, so it's, you know, I thought that was a, a nice little touch. Uh, you know, it's a really good brother-sister relationship, I think, or could shape up to be in the same mm-hmm. way that Alexis and uh, and David is in uh, Schitt's Creek. 
Yeah, and I love that, you know, she is more cynical than him. She is more guarded, a lot more guarded. And and I think I think like one of you mentioned earlier, maybe maybe Ben like resents a little bit that he went off to be the hero for other people when she maybe needed him to be the hero for her, you know, a widow and with two kids to raise and the blip happening, it can't have been easy. So I, I think there's a really nice mix there of, you know, love and regard and and also a little bit of spikiness, which is good. And and I think there's a sense as well that, you know, she wants to be swept up by his enthusiasm and she wants to be told it's all going to be okay and they're going to sort out the bank loan. She kind of wants to get her hopes up again, uh, even as she says she doesn't. You know, I just I just thought it was really nicely played. Where do you think it's going to go? Because this is a show that's clearly going to delve into international intrigue. We've seen mm. clips of, there's a trailer, we've seen clips of, of later episodes where Sam and Bucky are together somehow um, calling each other up. We know that Bucky is ignoring Sam's texts. So mm. Sam is the one who's reaching out, you know, what do they call it? Uh, an olive branch. And, um, you know, he's reaching out to Buck. Buck is going, no, Buck off. And they're going to come together at some point, not in that way. And they're going to fight the bad guys, whoever they are, they'll be. We know the Simu comes into it at some point as well. What's he up mm. to? So how does the domestic stuff fit into this? Does Leia have a future as a potential love interest for Bucky? You know, are we going to have scenes of domestic bliss or not domestic bliss, but you know, are we going to have scenes of domestic drama where Sarah is trying to save her mom and dad's fishing boat whilst Sam is off the other side of the world blowing shit up? How is the show going to balance that sort of set of things? I wonder if somebody's going to blow up the fishing boat and kind I of wonder. force Sam to realise that you know, she might have a point and there might be bigger thing, things to focus on. I hope they yeah. get to keep the highs. I feel like they'll get to keep the highs. That would be too too harsh otherwise. But I, I feel like there's a, um, there's there's probably something he needs to learn there that it's not as, you know, he can't just fly in and make everything okay and, you know, kind of wave his hand and make it, everything work. Like it is mm. a little bit more complicated than that. And I think there's probably something for both Sarah and Sam to learn. Like she gets more optimism, he gets a bit more, not cynicism, but a bit more world experience, perhaps outside the military. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued because from the beginning, Wonder Vision was quite streamlined in that you know, you sort of see what's happening inside the hex and you learn that there's something outside the hex, and it's quite clear that that is the show. Whereas here we have quite disparate threads. Obviously the flag smashes, this new cap, Bucky doing his thing, Sam doing his thing. And so seeing how all of that is going to tie together, because I'm sure it will do. I'm sure all of these things, and obviously with Zemo returning as well. Mm. I'm intrigued to see how Zemo relates to the flag smashers, whether he is sort of behind them or whether he is operating separately but i think that that's why it feels hard from this first episode that it is just introducing those threads and we have no real idea yeah. yet of how that might all tie together yeah and what is his agenda as well because simu's agenda was to get vengeance on the avengers and sam and bucky aren't avengers in the traditional sense they weren't there in sokovia for example so does he even have a beef with them? I think he's Probably. just, from my understanding, and it'll be interesting to see if this if the show reflects this, is that his beef is generally now on a worldwide scale that like superheroes keep messing things up, which is not 
a reflection on, on what's actually happening, but his viewpoint is that, do you know what, if we didn't have all of this superhero shit and they hadn't really attracted Thanos to Earth, then we wouldn't be dealing with all of this anyway. So actually, it, this goes beyond the Avengers now. This is just like anybody who is involved in this shit needs to go down. It's going to be interesting finding out. And I also want to know how they get together because we said this in previous podcasts, but, you know, they they aren't friends, Bucky and Sam. They, the only connected tissue that they have is Steve. So I actually liked that this episode began with them both not in each other's lives and living mm-hmm. very, very separate lives and going in very, very separate directions. Uh, it's going to be intriguing to see what it is or who it is that brings them together. And I, I imagine, actually, thinking about it, I wonder if this is the point that Bucky texts Sam back, like, oh shit, have you seen the Captain America news? That would seem like something to me where, where Bucky would suddenly And then Bucky's go, like, how do, how, how do I do that? Is it on the wireless? Is it on... <laughs> do I go to the pictures and watch the Pathé newsreel? What do, what do hey, I do? Hey, he can work a mobile phone at least. Come on. Poor Bucky. <laughs> Precisely. Oh, yeah. And we haven't mentioned Batrock, who was obviously uh, back at the beginning trying the to... The Leaper. The Leaper. Well, he's never been called that, to be fair to the MCU. Batrock the Leaper. They dropped yeah. that bit pretty damn quick. But, uh, but yeah, he was the one uh, kidnapping, obviously, Captain Vassant at the beginning. And uh, I just thought that was a fun nod back because, you know, mm. he's kind of still around, still yeah. out there. And he did jump out of the helicopter, the fourth helicopter, just before the fourth <laughs> the helicopter exploded. It's bankrolling this operation. Seriously, <laughs> that captain must have some really important information because that's crazy. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Mm. It did make me wonder, actually. At, you know, that's a deliberate parallel, I guess, to you know Steve at the beginning of the Winter Soldier ends up facing off against Batrock. Mm. And then Batrock's not in the rest of the movie or indeed any of the adventures of Steve. The adventures of Steve that unfold throughout the MCU. He's kind of an afterthought. But what isn't an afterthought in that movie is who he's kidnapping slash meeting with because he's kidnapped, fake kidnapped Jasper Sitwell. Oh, that doesn't sit well with me. And then, of course, he turns out to be Hydra scum. And so I wonder if this facade guy who just seems dispensed with plot-wise might turn out to be Nightmare or Reed Richards. I'm not entirely sure, oh but he'll God. he'll turn out to be an X-Man. Quicksilver. Something like that. Something wow. like that will happen. While we're back on the helicopter sequence, I'd just like to say that moment where Sam kind of swoops in and sits in the helicopter and then just goes, what's so up? Good. Was so great. <laughs> so good. Super yeah. good. I was also a big fan of the way that, because uh, he's, he's, um, he's Stark, clearly with his dying wish. Maybe that's what he did. No. With his dying wish, he vanished Thanos and his minions, but also went, my Stark tech will always upgrade, no matter what happens. Because Sam's wings now act as a nifty bulletproof shield, which I mm-hmm. really liked, um, which is cool. And I really liked that bit where he's fighting the guy in the plane and he grabs him, uses his propulsion pack to fly himself along for like 10 feet and smack the guy's head into a, a, into a big heavy box, uh, which probably mm-hmm. gave him irreparable brain damage. But then he blew up the plane anyway, so it didn't really matter. Cold-blooded murder! Woohoo! The wings don't have to be Stark Tech. They were originally designed, you know, a government thing. It doesn't have to be a Stark Tech thing. And and Sam mm-hmm. literally is there fixing them himself, yeah. playing with upgrades himself here. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, Chris. Yeah, it's Stark Tech. It's Stark Tech. Okay. It's Stark Tech. It's literally called Stark Tech. That's what the Torres says to it. It's, it you know, and we know that Tony had... He he couldn't resist. He saw a toy, someone else's toy. He would upgrade it. He upgraded the helicarriers in, in um in in a uh, Winter Soldier. So 
Anywho. A fun thing that's been just been brought to my attention is that on Bucky's list is also P.W. Hauser, as in the actor Paul Walter Hauser, who hasn't been in the MCU yet, but he's been <laughs> really? in stuff with related people. So, What did he do to him? I don't know, but he's on his list. I'm just saying. This is actually more born to me than, uh, than My Name is Earl. Of course, they were in I, Tonya together. There you go. These are probably all just people he's worked with. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, probably. very borny. You remember? End of legacy? Yes. 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 Ah, uh, well. Anyway. Anyway. Get some rest, Pam. You look tired. And I think we all look tired. This has been a, a, a behemoth uh, of a podcast. One I did not expect to last this long, if I'm completely honest with you. And this does not bode well for the next, <laughs> next five course. episodes. Oh, <laughs> Lord help us. Uh, but that is it for our first episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier spoiler special. We will return next week, of course. But until then, until that auspicious occasion, until we meet again, it is goodbye from my three colleagues of such lethal cunning squadcast names, MCU Anon. Don't you start any of this fucking weird conspiracy Cap's theory shit, Cap's on the moon. Ben. He's on the moon, I'm telling Cap you. Cap is or the moon. He's at the centre of the Earth in the molten Whoa. core. Whoa. Oh my God. Cap, Dude. when he returned the Soul Stone to the Red Skull, he became the guardian of the Soul Stone. Oh, what? No. It is goodbye from Red Wing Lives, James Dyer. Goodbye. Goodbye, James Dyer. It is goodbye from Dr. Space Cape, Helen O'Hara. Doodaloo. And it's goodbye from me, Batroc versus Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice. I'm off to study that scene of Bucky waking up shirtless on the floor to try and identify the two football teams involved, <laughs> of course. And I'll help out. For, yes, <laughs> you have my sword. <laughs> for no other reason whatsoever. Uh, thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. Bye.